Hey, do you teach yoga? Have you ever trained to lead yoga classes to be a yoga therapist? Have you ever owned a yoga studio? Maybe even just wondered what it was like for the women and men up there in front of the room on their mats, leading you through endless Surya Namaskars, down dogs, and pranayamas galore? Well, these are their stories and mine. I'm Rebecca Sebastian, a 20-year yoga teacher, 10-year yoga therapist, yoga studio owner, and co-founder of a yoga-focused nonprofit. I've done a lot in the yoga world over the last 20 years, pretty much everything except had a water cooler. You know, a place to share stories, talk about struggles, successes, and find other people who do the same thing that I do. Welcome to Working in Yoga, a podcast and substitute water cooler for yoga folks to connect and build community, to share our unique profession, our challenges, and our journeys with the world. Hey friends, welcome to Working in Yoga. So I'm talking to you live from a foot soak this week. Big thanks to myself for my birthday present to me as I recover from my first ever bout of COVID. So my voice is scratchy on the best of days from years and years of projecting my voice in crowded yoga spaces. This is something we don't talk about enough. But this has an added degree of difficulty to my vocal styling. So please bear with me because I know my voice is a little bit raspy this week. On the podcast, I have my friend Nicole DeAndrea back as a second time guest, and we are diving into money and business. First, I would like to say that Nicole is one of my guests this season who falls under a category of my favorite things. And one of those favorite things is smart women talking about the thing that lights them up. In Nicole's case, that thing is business and money. Money is the conversation that we avoid like the plague in this industry. And the conversation usually goes something like this. If you are pro-yoga, you are anti-money. And if you are pro-money, then that isn't yoga. So I'm actively seeking to reframe this conversation. We, as yoga professionals, deserve to earn a sustainable income. And if we truly seek to help others, as we often say that we are wanting to help others, we have an obligation to not be the person who needs help ourselves. You know the protocol, friends. Put on your own mask first. So Nicole and I talk yoga studio owner shop. She owns a yoga studio herself and also runs Spark Strategies, a consulting business for boutique yoga and wellness studios. She's helped truly hundreds of yoga business owners and keeps up on trends just as much as I do, which I think is hard to do because I'm a little bit obsessed about this. So this is a conversation you're going to want to listen to if you're interested in how the industry has been faring in this sort of post-COVID world, which is ironic because I'm currently recovering from COVID. But before we begin, I want to ask if you would do me a favor. Will you subscribe and follow to the podcast wherever you're listening? That really helps tell the algorithm that you like the content that I am sharing and tells the algorithm that others who are like you will also like this content. And if you aren't on my newsletter, you might be missing out. We're currently talking about red flags, green flags, and dipping our toes into all sorts of waters in order to improve our teaching, our businesses, and our lives. So grab the link for that in the show notes. 
And don't forget to check out our sponsor, Sunlight Streams, the virtual self-care blog and platform. We are talking rest in times of recovery versus times of self-care this week. And as a person currently recovering from COVID, I promise there is a difference. So that's on the blog, and you won't want to miss a word at www.thesunlightexperience.com backslash blog. Now let's get into the thick of it with Nicole DeAndrea. Hey friends, welcome to Working in Yoga. Okay, so I have a bunch of amazing people coming back on the podcast this fall, and I am so excited to start this conversation about yoga studios with my favorite, Nicole DeAndrea. So Nicole, tell everybody hello. She's a repeat guest, so you can listen to her first podcast. Hello, thank you for having me back. I feel like the first time, you know, maybe it's a fluke, but the second time, maybe I know what I'm talking about. So I'm excited (laughs) to be here. (laughs) You do, you know what you're talking about. Thanks. Okay, so tell everybody what you do, what your businesses are, and then we're going to talk about some yoga studio stuff. Okay, done. I have two businesses. One in my and my first and my baby is Blackbird Yoga Studio in Bergen County, New Jersey. We are currently in Hallworth, but we are moving to Closter, which is a, a slightly bigger market. It's a much bigger studio. It's a much bigger undertaking. Um, but I'm really excited about that. And I think when we talk a little bit about kind of post-pandemic shifts, maybe expansion will come up because I'm definitely seeing a lot of that, which is exciting. Uh, I have been a yoga teacher for 13 years. I have taught in every style, in every way, maybe not every style, but many styles in many ways and many levels of severity. So I've done kind of part-time alongside my full-time career. I've done full-time teaching. I've done full-time teaching plus waiting tables at night. I've had my own studio. I've had you know, taught 14 out of 16 of the classes inside of the studio. I've done it all in terms of teaching yoga. Um, And the one gift that was given to me was the gift of experience because I spent so long in the yoga world before I actually opened my own business. I saw firsthand what was working and what wasn't. And I couldn't help but notice that there were so many people in the yoga industry and specifically women in the yoga industry really struggling with their businesses. So I went in knowing, I don't know what I'm doing here, but I have to do it differently than it's been done before because clearly this system is broken. And so I made it my mission to kind of pick the brain of the one person I knew who was really crushing it in her studio. She was clearly doing things differently. We were paid, you know, totally different and better. The classes were fuller. The systems were stronger. Her engagement was better. I was like, I want to know what you know. So I adopted mentorship really early on and it served me well. So kind of, uh, I started organically consulting previous bosses. They were reaching out saying things like, how were you able to do this so quickly? Blah, 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 blah. So I started volunteering my time consulting until I really discovered there's a need here. Built out Nicole D'Andrea Consulting, thought it was going to be my side hustle alongside of running my studio. I never in my wildest dreams thought it would grow to be what it is today. Um, And we have now rebranded into Spark Strategies. So we are a full service business consultancy and marketing agency for boutique fitness and yoga studios. We keep the consulting kind of at the core of our offer. We want to help people build smart systems, nail down their pricing, build a marketing strategy. And then we also have an entire done for you creative arm. We do websites, branding, uh, photography, 
email marketing, funnel building, everything you can think of, we we can handle it. So we have grown exponentially in the last actually year. Um, and we are super excited to say we have helped 250 studios grow. So yeah. Yes. I'm in the impact phase of my career. I feel, I really feel like, you know, I'm, I'm happy with where my businesses are. And now my, my goal is to kind of support and, and impact and reach as many studios as possible. That's amazing because I have to say, (laughs) you know, what's the best is that good things happen when women have more money. It's the truth. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I don't know how many times I can say that, but when good people and good women have more money, the world is better. Mm. You can't tell me we don't have an industry full of wholehearted, good human beings who are like, I mean, you and I are both in similar like yoga studio owner groups, like the heartfelt stories of people feeling like love for their students and their teachers. And like when those people have access to financial power and wealth, like the world couldn't be set on fire. Like we do good stuff. (laughs) Yes. Money is just an energy. And when it's in the hands of people who are going to do good with it and impact lives with it, I mean, there's nothing better than that. Correct. I mean, you could just make money so that everybody else can make money and then go give it away if you want to. I mean, you can do whatever you want with it. 100%. Yeah. Yeah, it's I love that because this industry, as you and I both know, is made primarily of women, right? So that's we're we're mostly female yoga teachers. We're mostly female business owners too. And we've built this kind of like wellness and fitness industry that's a safe space for us to grow and build businesses. And the fact that we're not leaning into the business part of it just kills me because like it kills me too yeah yeah, yeah. (laughs) like 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 lean right in and it's uncomfortable but you know how to do uncomfortable things like Mm -hmm. we know how to get uncomfortable and yeah is it does it really suck to look back at all of the money drama that your family handed you as a child yeah is it a hundred percent worth it also yeah yeah. (laughs) yeah I mean uh I don't know if you follow Ramit I think it's Ramit Sethi. Uh, I love him. And he has this really great theory that we develop our relationship with money at like five years old, or we develop our attitude about money at five years old based on what's been handed down to us from our parents and our homes, et cetera. So the story with which you approach money in your business is in a lot of ways, not your fault, right? Like whether it's, there was never enough or I can't hold on to it, or I'm afraid to let go of it, or I don't deserve to have it or whatever it is, right? That is something that we inherit. But when you take on a business, you sign a contract that says, I need to rewrite my story with money because it's not just a nice to have it's actually a requirement like sales is the very very bottom of the business pyramid of health you have to create money 
And then you have to hang on to money. So whatever mental stories you might have around that really need to be untangled, whether that's, you know, on your own and your own spiritual practices or your own kind of journeying, or whether that's with the help of a coach, there are you know just a great number of fantastic money mindset coaches out there who do this professionally. It's, it's, a requirement. And I would say the first requirement in order to have a successful business so that your order and impact and legacy and good work in the world has a chance to exist. So number one, get comfortable with it, asking for it, receiving it, hanging on to it, spending it, all of it. Okay. So do you find, I feel like I'm going to see this giant big face when I ask you this question, because I feel like we I know what you're going to say, and I can't wait for you to say it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. But let's talk yoga specifically. Do you find that we do a whole bunch of mental gymnastics to justify us not facing our money fears and using the philosophical underpinnings of yoga in order to do so? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And so... I I think there is a tremendous amount of mind trash in the yoga industry. I also think, and this could be a conversation for a different podcast, but we have done a lot of conflating what yoga philosophy actually says and me and like, like it's all, yeah, I know. <laughs> I've got my arms in the air. Like, yes, <laughs> I forgot. Are we audio only? But we're both like, yeah, 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 yeah. arms in the air. <laughs> Um, we, we have really like made it mean something that it was never meant to me. And I could probably write a master's thesis on that. Right. But, um, it's, it's a cop out, right? Like we live in a three dimensional world and money is a part of it. It's not all of it and it's not even most of it, but it's certainly, a tremendous part of it. And I can't help but kind of like reference my late grandmother. I, I I loved her so much. I mean, I like, I credit so much of who I am and what I've done to her. Um, she was an entrepreneur. Like she's just my guiding light. Um, but she said, you know, Nikki, money isn't everything, but it's sure nice to have it, you know? <laughs> it's tough to it's tough to you know do stuff without it or whatever she used to say right and it's like it's just a require it's just an energy that supports the rest of what you want to do in the world and the quicker you come to terms with the fact that your spiritual business is worth that energy and that your time and labor and expertise and investment in your training has a value attached to it like let's take the dollar signs out of it it has value attached to it and in this 3d world sometimes not all the time sometimes that value is expressed as dollars the quicker you can stop thinking about money like Ramit also says if you are checking your money every day you've probably got a problem with it right so it's like we don't we don't want to think about it all the time but it does need to exist at the baseline so that all the other stuff can happen. And yes, do I think people use it's wrong to charge for yoga, it's wrong to charge for a spiritual business. And traditionally, it was practiced by, you know, one student, one teacher in a loincloth in India, like, okay, maybe that's true. But that's not where we are, right? There are so many things about physical and uh, about asana and about pranayama and meditation that we've not taken with us. Like, let's also not take that kind of martyrdom with us, because it's really not serving anybody right here right now. No, it's not the life that we live right now. 
And what I find interesting is that so much of like when you're when you're diving deep into the yoga philosophy, right, like we look at this idea of alleviating suffering and how humans have this tendency to choose suffering over discomfort. Mm -hmm. You will choose to avoid an uncomfortable conversation and suffer with the results of not having that uncomfortable conversation. And this is just that, but with money, like yeah. we will choose to suffer without money and feel like we are martyrs for it to avoid the discomfort of unpacking all our money crap. <laughs> and to your original point about like what happens when money gets in the hands of good people to tie it back to a yoga philosophy, Asteya, right? Take what you need, take what you need, take only what you need, you know, and that looks different for everyone, right? Only what I need is actually the amount that it's going to take to keep two adults, a child, a dog, in their home, comfortable, you know, like that's what I need, right? So you take what you need. And then if, you know, your ethical principles compel you to, I don't know, invest that money in a nonprofit, invest it in other people, God bless, do it, right? Do it, please do. Like the world needs more of that. And you know, the world doesn't need a lot any more billionaires that I will say, right? But it's like, <laughs> right. Um, but take what you need, be realistic about what you need. You also Today, need a vacation. <laughs> it might be a vacation, almost yes. 100%. Yeah, be realistic about what you need. Be comfortable even, because really no one wins when you're uncomfortable. Yes. And then if you decide that your ethical, you know, lighthouse is pointing you in the direction of giving or serving or reinvesting, please do. Yeah. I mean, take what you need so that the next generation of us don't have to struggle like we did. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Okay. So I want to switch gears for a minute because the last time I had you on, it was like, we were still deep COVID, right? <laughs> like, we were talking yeah. about what was happening in the yoga studio culture in COVID and we were all primarily still online or we were talking about like, oh my gosh, you remember the 2021 time when you were seeing post after post of yoga studio owner leaving and like my heart oh, was just wrenching. Yeah. It was such a difficult time in business. And okay, so where are we at now? What are you seeing from yoga studios now? Like, let's talk, you're expanding. Hmm. Expansion is exciting. We're seeing yeah. maybe an upswing that might be going on. Oh my gosh, yes. So not only is the industry back, but it is roaring back. I am yep. seeing a huge uptick in the number of new businesses that are cropping up all over the place. I have, I myself have a um, the most significant number of startups that I've ever had in my career, which is very exciting. Uh, um, I myself have the largest number of startup studios that I've ever had in my career. So that in and of itself, not only does it mean there are more of them, right, but it means that there are more of them kind of making investments and, you know, taking themselves seriously, wanting to set it up properly in the first place. So I love that attitude that makes me excited. I am, I think that at this point, if you've made it this far, you're not stopping, like, not only financially, like it doesn't get any worse than it did in 2020. But <laughs> like, if you can, I mean, fingers crossed, knock on wood, right? Anything could happen. Yeah. But um, I don't think it gets much worse than that, right? So if you have still seen your business through all of that, and you came out on the other side, you are not stopping now. I'm seeing a tremendous number of expansions, whether that's into a larger space or with additional services. Uh, wellness services are really hot right now, like appointments. Um, 
And I'm seeing new look like new locations, second, third locations. I've got a couple of clients even starting the process of franchising. So I think the wellness world is back. And I don't remember if I said this last time, but uh, specifically yoga meditation are uh, very much in fashion and, and needed right now because the most impactful shift post-COVID was the motivation of our customers. So you don't need me to tell you that pre-2020, the number one motivator for fitness and wellness services was looking good in a bathing suit, looking good, losing weight, getting muscular, getting ripped, you know, whatever, right? Post-pandemic, the number one motivator for seeking out fitness and wellness services fitness and wellness services is mental and emotional health. So uh, we've been banging that drum for years. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Think about the type of kind of catalytic event that would transform a diet obsessed culture and change their motivation from the way they look to the way they feel that is, you know, seismic right so i think that's super exciting for us people are seeking us out they're seeking out places where they can get more than one need met in the same place so think where i can get my movement and my workout in and my kind of emotional health care routine and maybe you know a, a service like that is really exciting right now um and so i see all good things for where this industry is going and the other thing that i'm really excited. But I said this early, like, I'm going to pat myself on the back for this because <laughs> uh, when I, so I have two businesses, right? I've got my brick and mortar business. I've got my online business and they kind of serve two different needs in my life. But when I transitioned my studio over to virtual classes, I said on day one, I'm like, this, I'm not like, this is not what I want to do. I am not here for this. Yep. Like I want the smell, the feeling, the texture, the ambiance of a yoga studio. And like, if I can't ever have that again, I'm going to do something else with my time because like, I'm just an in-person gal and everyone in the industry that I was talking to all 2020 and 2021 was like, online is here to stay. It's all online. Online is forever. No one's ever getting off the computer ever again. We're going to turn into bot people and everyone's going to, you know, take their yoga classes through virtual reality glasses and like, you know, <laughs> waste away on their couch. And I was like, I don't know about, I don't, I don't think I can do that. So I remember early on being like, I don't know, you guys, like, I think in person really has a chance here. And that probably when this is all over, people are really going to be craving a an IRL community and everyone's like nah it's all virtual online all the time and I was like nah I don't really that's not what I want for myself so I'm just gonna go for it right and turns out <laughs> in-person yoga is hotter than ever right people crave a physical space they crave in real life connections community and honestly that is the side of history that I want to be on not the kind of AI virtual I you know I use it a little bit where it's handy but I don't want to be all virtual all the time and so I'm excited to say that in-person yoga is hotter than ever so is virtual completely out of your business do you have like a bank of videos or something or are you just like meh so at my own studio business we have no virtual offerings whatsoever that is not the right choice for everyone. And I will say this, I do not consult my clients based on what I do in my own studio. I try out all kinds of stuff in my own studio. I will share what works and what doesn't in my own studio. 
Um, and every model and market is different. So I chose to eliminate virtual as soon as we frankly could afford to, as, as soon as it made sense, um, because my vision was to have a in-person real life, like we pay a lot of attention to the, I'm, I'm serious about the smell. We like pump the smell through the HVAC system, the smell, the sounds, <laughs> yeah, yeah, the yeah. feeling, the temperature. We've got like weighted blankets in there and like scented pillows. And we ask our clients what their preferred scent is like. I love that. I love that about my studio. And it just, it doesn't work online. Um, and it take it detracts from the studio experience when the teacher is also trying to teach online and one of my core values in my studio classes is one-on-one -on -one attention every teacher has to give give every client one-on-one -on -one attention every class and we just can't do it when they're you know on the computer so that's my personal preference however there are some studios that have done virtual really well there are studios that rely on the revenue that they generate from virtual classes there are studios that are are killing it right that are making the financial and energetic investments in their virtual businesses to grow them. And I think if you're willing and able to do that, right, you've got a strong niche, you've got a point of view, you're devoted to content creation, you've got an advertising budget, you know, any or all of those things. If you're investing in growing virtual, good on you. There's a place for it. My personal studio business, I like, I only need one online business. So yeah. my, my yeah. choice is to keep it, keep it IRL. I don't blame you. I mean, so I like some of what virtual offered us. It, we were immediately way more accessible than we had ever been before. Totally. But I'm also with you on the experience thing. Like my website's literally www.thesunlightexperience.com, mm -hmm. right? Like the experience is tight. My candles smell a certain way. You get mm -hmm. tea when you come into the place. Like it, at some point in 2020, I experimented with like sending people boxes with a candle and tea, and it's still not the same because the dog's there, their cat's there. Sure, of course. It's just not, I, I can't control all the things I can control in an in-person space to say, this is, this is what you experience when you come to spend money at my business. I will also say something maybe somewhat controversial, you know, everyone's got a different opinion on this, but, um, our studio at our studio we perform hands-on assists with consent explicit consent consent in every moment right people actually move their chips over the assumption is no i no i don't want you to touch me they have to opt in so we've really thought through that process but we are we like to give hands-on assists i'm a person who believes that we are somewhat touch starved in this world i love receiving hands-on assists right like and and that's an important part of our experience for those who who want it and so we're also a bodywork business so we have right. body workers you know it's, it's it's part of the entire package and that's just something that we couldn't deliver online of course yeah. and so um you know again i think it's uh, i'm i'm a big fan of using core values to guide your decision making and this was ours um, again, there's no one size fits all approach. I have a client right now who's just like crushing it online. Like she is, uh, do it, delivering her teacher trainings that way. And she is yeah. devoted to the content creation and it, there's a place for it for sure. I myself practice with a few teachers. I never would have been able to access any other way. So I like oh. that ability. Um, but you know, everyone's got to make a decision about the place that it plays in their business or the, the role it plays in their business and their 
commitment to growing it because the thing about an online business is it doesn't stop. Like I never stop promoting my consulting business. I never stop creating video content. I never stop, you know, making connections through Facebook Messenger or whatever. So if you want it, it's a living, breathing thing that you've got to make a commitment to. Otherwise it kind of falls flat. So tell me this. Okay. So we're excited that things are back. We're in person. I do like, I, I have a place in my heart for in person. I do think online has a space too. Yeah. Um, but what in the next until December, let's say you're a yoga studio owner. What are you doing from now until December 31st, 2023 that makes impact for your business? Mm. You're thinking ahead. You're thinking about at the bare minimum, January 2024, but hopefully even beyond that. So you are thinking about your programming. You're getting really dialed into the motivators of your customers. So whether that's through surveying or conversations, but you are tailoring not only your content and the, you know, your programming itself, but your messaging, um, and your communications around that programming, you are tailoring that to your target audience. You are forecasting financially, okay? So like, I think about this a lot in the dead of summer when everyone, you know, every we had our best month ever this month because people are like, it's the summer, I'm bursting into flames. It's not the only reason why, but like yeah, yeah. people really freak out <laughs> at the end of August. Even our, our clients are like, what's happening? I'm like, it's August. You know this, right? Like, you know that we, <laughs> the whole industry yep. takes, a, you know, a dip, maybe not a nosedive, but a dip in July and August. It's just yep. the nature of what we do. Yep. Can you kind of, you know, insulate against that a little bit with your you know, membership strategy? Yeah, of course. But like, we know people cancel in August. It's just the truth. So instead of fighting it, right? Instead of fighting it, think forward. So I'm going to run, you know, maybe a promotion at that time of year next year, or I'm going to, oh, I don't know, put some profit away this year so that when I inevitably have an ebb, an ebb in my business, I'm not going to burst into flames and end up in panic mode, just like hurley discounting all of my services and praying that somebody decides to buy it, right? So the ability to kind of think forward to the trajectory of this industry, to your own like, let's just face it, every financial problem or every panic decision in this business is because there's not enough profit. There's not enough profit, right? So it's like, okay, what do I need to do in order to create that level of safety? Is it, do I need to adjust my pricing? Do I need to create new offers? Do I need to have a better money management strategy? Figure that out so that you are prepared next year. Yeah, I think that's really... I love that you said that because for the last three years, we haven't been able to prepare. Like you could prepare for like four seconds ahead of time. And then you were right. like, great, we're all shutting down again. Or Great. You know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. And I think, you know, there's like yoga, right? There's an element of balance involved. And so you can prepare all you want for forever. And still the unforeseen is going to come to pass, right? Like, unexpected things happen. And again, instead of trying to micromanage it and fight against it and pretend like it doesn't exist, what is it that's going to prepare you for the unexpected? Is it a, a safety net account, right? Like, is it, I don't know, a 
a mentor that you can call on for advice if and when you you get stuck? Are you aware enough of your own kind of survival mode habits to notice when they come about? Like, I know that I know this about myself. I know that when I panic, I'm like panic posting and I'm like sending out a rush, you know, like, and so it's, I, I catch myself now and I'm like, you know what, I've got all of this evidence that everything's been fine last time this happened, you know, and that's really helpful too, because again, it could be a topic for a different podcast, but your mindset is so critically important here, right? Yeah. And the the amount that you can prepare yourself for those hard times, like, so I don't even know if you caught this, but like three weeks ago, my business caught on fire. <laughs> oh my God. I think I did see that like kind of. Well, it was like next door, they caught on fire, right? And then all the smoke landed in my business. Half my business is things people consume. It's tea and herbs. So I lost thousands of dollars worth of product. But I'll tell you what, what COVID taught me was that I have like a Trello board of things I do when it's panic time, Mm. when like things are bad. And I just opened my Trello board and guess where my insurance agent's number is and guess where like... I know who to call. I know what to talk to. I had remediation at my building before the fire department left. (laughs) Yeah. It's just like when you've gone through hard times, like post-mortem that, like put it somewhere. Well, one, I'm sorry that happened to you. But like, it doesn't get any more unexpected than that. I don't think so. Yeah. One of my first yoga teachers, um, you know, who I really credit my training to and a lot of my passion for this work too, she always says structure equals freedom, right? And so to have that kind of fallback for yourself to say like, okay, when the proverbial crud hits the fan, right? Like I've got this list. I know who to call. I know what to do. You know, I myself have my like board of directors, right? Like I've got my people that I reach out to when I am really panicking. Um, It's so, so helpful to not go it alone. Yeah. And to just have already front loaded the work, right? Like you're now Mm -hmm. that we're slow, front load that thought of next year into like a somewhere, a spreadsheet. I love Trello just because it's pretty. I really do. Like I have like (laughs) 75 Trello boards. It's it's, it's a harsh joy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it also has the like questions that I probably am not thinking about in that moment. Do you have somewhere to be in the next four hours? You need to think about that. Mm-hmm. Who do you have to call to cancel mm-hmm. that? Like all those things that your brain's not in the mode to think of all those detail things. But when I'm not panicking, it's really great at it. Yeah. It's so helpful to set yourself up for success. Yeah. Like this is something that like we do in our, in our home, right? Like but my, we have a almost two year old now and, so, and my husband is kind of primarily home with him. So he's like, I get it. You're working, but like set me up for success. Right. So I'll like do my meal prepping in the morning yeah. and you know, like when you can organize your home or organize your business yeah. or whatever. So that when these things arise, you're not scrambling, trying to find the car keys or you know, whatever it is, right? Yeah. You're just setting yourself up for success. I love that. Yeah. So let's all, let's all take a moment together. Imagine where you want to be December 20, 31st, 2024, like Me. a year all of us okay. <laughs> and then okay. write it down and like, like do what ah. Nicole said, prepare it, like yes. think reverse of the- engineer it. Yeah. Right? Like I I believe in kind of like visioning it, manifesting it, putting it out into the world, but more so I believe in 
reverse engineering it, right? <laughs> so what's it going to take to make that happen? And you break it out into little, like maybe big uh, umbrella categories to start. And then within those umbrella categories, turtle steps, like the easiest, most manageable thing that I could do it today. I could do it on my worst day. And I would still say, yeah, I could get that done. So if like the thing that you identify as the needle mover for you is I need to start putting more profit away in the bank. You know, maybe the turtle step toward that is, this is a silly one. You hear it all the time, but like putting a dollar away in a savings account every day, just to train your brain that, that like, that's a thing we do. Right. Or maybe it's like, I open the new account. That's it. That's it. That's all I do. Or I like even smaller than that. I send the email to my banker asking a question about open account. That's it. And right. And you just make a commitment to implementing or initiating a turtle step every single day until you've reached the end goal. And then don't forget to like take a moment to celebrate the end goal. Yeah. Pat yourself on the back. Yeah. I'm horrible at this, right? Like I'm the queen of what's next. I'm like, oh, great. Yeah. We've, you know, we, uh, we have 150 members. What's next? We've got, you know, uh, we've done a couple of teacher trainings. Okay. Let's, you know, let's do a 300 hour. What's next. I've built my consultancy into a team. Okay. Now we're going for a million dollars. What's next. You know, and I, I forget to, to applaud the work that I've done. So I think that's really important too, is for your brain to catch evidence that like actually that thing that you put in motion came to be celebrated. Yeah. Okay, Nicole, tell everybody where to find you. Okay. Uh, well, my kind of main hangout online is the Profitable Studio community on Facebook. That's where you can access uh, all of my kind of live live streams and trainings and um get to know my my style and my point of view. Uh, we've got a website, sparkstrategies.co. We've got a great resource library on there for studio owners. So it's totally free. You can download all the spreadsheets, your heart desires, video <laughs> training. Yeah. <laughs> I love uh, a spreadsheet. Lots of great stuff on there. And then of course, we always offer a free 60 minute studio strategy session to anyone who's interested in talking through their goals and learning a little bit more about how we help studios grow. So if you own a boutique fitness business or a studio, I really need you to get on that Facebook group because <laughs> I i mean, I feel like I say this every single time you post a live, but the amount of free value that you offer in that group is like crazy. Thank you. Like how good it is. My marketing strategy is and always has been proof that you can help by actually helping. Yeah. It, <laughs> and you embody that every time I see you show up. So I love knowing you. I love sharing an industry with you. Like Thank that's you. just great. You make this easy, Rebecca. This is like easy and fun. And I, I'm sad it's over. I know, me too. <laughs> <laughs> You'll come back again next year. We'll talk okay. about it next yeah, year. Yeah, <laughs> sounds great. Okay. Thank you so much as always for coming on the podcast, Nicole. Here are our key takeaways. First, good things happen when good people have more money. Money is just energy, and when it is in the hands of people with good values, like most yoga folks, we can do amazing things with it. Our industry is headed back to life, and yoga and meditation are needed right now. From a business perspective, the motivator for our clients to come see us has shifted. Folks are looking for mental and emotional health support now more than ever. 
While we are still online, our in-person experiences are back and robust as an industry. Each business is different, and in our post-COVID world, there is no one right way to run your yoga business. What an absolute relief, eh? Making sure that you know that your core values are aligned with your decisions in business is critical. Using those core values to help make those decisions will help keep you aligned with who you are as a business owner and a yoga professional. Forecast your business past December 2023. What are you doing for January 2024 and beyond? Being prepared is the best strategy to a successful future. And set future you up to thrive in times of crisis. Make a list, a spreadsheet, a Trello board, whatever you want that helps you prepare for future challenges. Do the same thing for preparing your business for future success. And finally, something that Nicole and I both said we need to work on, don't forget to pat yourself on the back when you achieve your goals. It is vital to training your brain to get used to success. So next week on the podcast, we are talking to a professional yoga researcher, Stephanie Munez, and how she has built a career researching yoga, its practice, and its outcomes. We have so many interesting career paths open to us as yoga professionals, and honestly, I really love sharing them with you. I know you're going to love this conversation I have with Stephanie. So I will see you next week around the water cooler. Thanks for listening.